0: The following is a presentation of Hockey Night in Canada, in association with the National Hockey League.
1: Few people can boast a resume that includes the following. Racing school scholarship winner. Lead singer of two rock bands, one of them award-winning. One of them also featuring a young guitarist who would go on to be a founding member of Our Lady Peace. Played with the likes of Harem Scarm, Frozen Ghost and Andy Curran. The voice of two Olympics. Voice of Hockey Night in Canada. And has also been mistaken to be Gord Downey by Erica M. Please welcome to the studio, Jeff Taravainen. How you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks.
1: Thanks for coming in.
0: That's funny about the uh, Erica M story. I forgot about that. Do you remember that? Well, I was pretty inebriated when it happened, but I do remember, yeah.
1: So, like, were you playing on a bill that also had
0: no the tragically hip? That was we were at a music awards show, okay. and it was kind of funny because we have a hip connection that our manager was the same manager of the hip, uh, Jay Gold. Jay Gold, and he brought us up on a Richmond street uh, rehearsal space and yeah. our our rehearsal space mates were the tragically hip yeah so yeah we would see a lot of them in that but uh yeah so we had both happened to be at that party and then eric m came running up and told me how happy she was to see me and yeah a bunch of other people maybe so,
1: she was any breed i think everybody was
0: <laughs> it was a long time ago too so <laughs> things were different
1: so that's your claim to fame i would say
0: pretty much <laughs>
1: that should be unfortunately
0: on your,
1: yeah <laughs> should be on your twitter bio <laughs>
0: He used to look like I used to
1: look like Gordano. I used to look like we way, way back when. Um, how was Jake Gold as a manager? That's, that's like a big name. He was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, he was always a nice guy to me. Yeah. Um, but I think he had, obviously, other priorities. The hip was going well, and there was another couple bands, I think, on the roster that were bigger. And, you know, when you're bigger you get more attention so
1: sure sure now was that with international boundaries or was that with the life
0: yeah that was international boundaries or INB uh you know we were a bunch of young kids really like we were as green as you can imagine so it was a learning experience and you know I'm glad we went through it but I wouldn't want to do it again
1: Greg has told me the same thing like he would not like so let's let's go back let's start off when when you did love it and and you were enjoying it how did you guys get together um, were you just, you know, just playing around in high school in Oshawa? Like, how did, how did all this get started? Yeah. Um,
0: it's funny. I was talking to my daughter about this in the weekend. I just happened to be, you know, bringing it up. Yeah. But I was in a band that wasn't happening too much. It was a bunch of guys I collected, but nobody was really that s- serious about it like I was. And I kept hearing about another band called Plastic Dolls, which Greg was in. Okay. And um, I went to see them. I met them. You know, sean mike everybody jamie and i really liked them and we hit it off and we started hanging out after that mm-hmm. and soon after that they started we shared a rehearsal spot together and they approached me eventually about singing for them and i remember it was a crazy night um this is gonna show old i am but back to the future was on yeah and we were all went to the theater it was this magic night came out and it was this crazy rainstorm and and they asked me and we went to a rehearsal spot. It was like a magic night that I remember of my life because it was just such a big deal. You know, these guys want me in their band. I'm, I'm really honored. So, yeah. you know, we did it. And eventually I, I used to play instruments in the old one and eventually I started playing some guitar and bass and that sort of thing in the band. It was fun. But it's, it was. It was like a magic time for me. I guess yeah. everybody has them, but that was one of mine.
1: What was your sound?
0: That band was very, um, like a mix of sort of new wave stuff like Duran Duran which was a huge influence, I think, on all of us, but also you too, and things like that. So,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: We, in excess, a whole mix of different things.
1: Mm. Um, and then you guys had the life. Was that just the name change, or was that people coming and going?
0: Yeah, no, that was completely different. Yeah. Um, once International Boundaries, I guess, uh, exploded out, it was a couple of years of trying to figure out what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Greg and I saw a band called Living Color, that opened up for Robert Palmer
1: Greg told me to ask you about that so so go ahead tell me about that experience
0: well I was I was always into funk rock so that was there was an influence there but when we saw Living Color I it was just we were blown away I think it was Bruce Kirkland was the the guy from The Sun who had wrote the day before there was a show with Robert Palmer saying you know they were this uh, Jimi Hendrix wannabe band and stuff like that so we almost didn't make it but then we got there because we don't want to see the band and I swear to God, we must have looked like deer in headlights. We just couldn't believe what we were seeing and hearing. They were so incredible. Their musicianship was, it was off the charts. And they just had this amazing sound, that sort of mixture of very heavy rock with, with funk grooves and yeah. stuff like that. It was just like I had found heaven. So Yeah. yeah. And Greg found this, felt the same way. So
1: He still talks about that band. I think he still goes sees them whenever they're playing.
0: Yeah, him and I went uh, a few years ago, actually, together to see them again. Whereabouts? Lee's Palace.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was a great show. Oh, wow. I had no, no hearing again for... Uh, so
1: <laughs> so uh, the life had that sound?
0: Well, it was influenced by it for sure. Uh, definitely the early stuff. We were, you know, essentially, I guess you could say like a funk rock band. Um, my vocal style was kind of like a, an in excess Michael Hutchins mixed with an Elvis mixed with a Stone Temple Pilots or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. then there was this sort of very funky bass and drums with heavy guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun. That's I'm proud of what we did. You know, in the end, we didn't go big, but we we enjoyed it, and it was a great experience.
1: So, in I think it's in your Wikipedia page, you guys. It says there that the award-winning band. The, winning, do you winning. remember the life? Did you do you remember winning any awards?
0: Oh God, yeah, we won all kinds of things. Seriously, yeah, yeah. Oh no way! I mean, we weren't winning Junos or Grammys, <laughs> but you know, all sorts of things in the music industry, like okay. uh, everything from. Uh, band competitions to uh, awards like with Factor and stuff, which are okay, yeah. I forget the foundation to assist Canadian talent on record things yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, it was a big deal because uh, a lot of those came with money, and sure. you know it's it's a it's a grind at any level. At least it used to be with with music. You know, coming up with the money for studios and things like that. So yeah. it was very very helpful, and it was you know another notch on your on your case there when you were trying to you know get seen by people and things like that. Yeah.
1: So. Was it always, like was it a, a dream as you're starting off with checking out Plastic Dolls and then seeing B joining I and and then the life, was it always a we're going to get big, we, I want to be in a rock band, or I want to oh, yeah. be in a music band, was, it, was that sort of a thing you guys, you, at least you thought and talked about? Well I remember when
0: I first played with a band and it was in grade 8 or something, it was like a, you know, just a group of guys I knew that played music and yeah. again it was one of those li- literally lightning bolt magic moments, I couldn't believe how incredible it was, I still have the tape of it. And it, really? Yeah, and it was just, I listened to it not long ago, and it literally fills me with goosebumps because I remember that feeling of, my God, I want to do this so bad. And that had, that had nothing to do with being famous or anything like that. I just loved music my entire life. Yeah. So that was, the, I guess, the start of it. But of course, you know, then you start daydreaming and you watch your favorite bands and you want to... There was a great um, live music uh, movie, uh, Live Baby Live, I think it's called, with NXS. And you watch the beginning of that, Michael Hutchins walking on that stage and it's Wembley Arena. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, wow, can you imagine the power? You know, everything he does, the audience reacted to it. And Yeah. You know, so you're a young, young kid, you think that's probably the coolest thing in the world. Still, it would be great, but it's, I'm kind of glad things didn't pan out that way as well because, um, you know, I'm, I, I have a family. My daughter is young. I, I can't imagine being on the road for, you know, week, month after month being yeah. away from them like that. With what I do now, I travel, but um, I'm usually not gone for you know, too much of an extended period. And hmm. long enough that you really miss them when you get back, it's a nice re- reminder of how much you love your people yeah. or your friends and family, but uh, not so long that you feel like you're on a tour of duty somewhere.
1: How was how was touring Canada or the U.S.? or How was that?
0: Well, I think Greg will tell you. Um, because we were young band uh, with not a lot of money and, and that sort of thing that um, it was very difficult uh, we did not have a tour bus we we would travel in the back of a cube band
1: oh um, wow with all the gear
0: yeah I mean it was there was no there was no glamour we were playing I was going to
1: ask you that at the time though did you think yeah we're doing this
0: well to a degree but it was also uh, you know you're leaving your cocoon for the first time mm-hmm. um, I think the first The third night into a three night gig, I was attacked and hospitalized.
1: Jeez. Yeah, so. By who? The crowd?
0: No, it's a long story, (laughs) but. um, We got time, I don't know. One of the the bouncers up there was dating a bartender, and she told him that she'd had enough of him and that the singer uh, really liked her. I was, I can't explain how nice and green I was back then. (laughs) Of course, I talked to her. And I probably thought she was beautiful or whatever like that, but there was nothing, nothing, nothing. And, of course, she said that this guy was well-known to the police, flew off the handle, and I never even saw him. He came up on stage and attacked me with a pool cue from behind. Jeez. So uh, we had to get our road manager and stuff to identify him eventually because I couldn't tell you who it was. But he chipped my spine and concussion. I had huge welts down my face, and I had. I think we had 17 more days in a row I had to perform. Oops, sorry. Which was insane, as it was, to do that many dates, and you know I, I can barely open my mouth. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It wasn't a good introduction to touring.
1: Wow. Yeah. So. That is that's nuts.
0: I also remember too that when they at the hospital when they let me out the next day, mm-hmm. we didn't have enough money to to pay for the parking. So at the uh, hospital. So our driver just drove through the. He just through <laughs> the uh, the gate.
1: <laughs> This is this is this is for like this this could be like a movie. No, it could be. Of, uh, I've thought about of, it. Of, yeah. Um, any any acts or bands that you that you open for that opened for you that was like starstruck?
0: We had we opened for some bands, and I, I won't say who they are because since then I've got to know some of the guys, and I think it was probably management that did it. Sure, sure. But I remember opening up at, uh, for example, a big show in Toronto. And, you know, again, you are starstruck. You're you're working with your heroes. And you want to do a great job and impress them. And we went up and we just killed a sound check, like, as best we could. And we found out later that's a bad idea in a lot of cases, if you don't know the other band, because then they get... Oh, Brown's gonna, you know, China. Us. Show us something. Oh. I remember getting on stage and everything was changed. All our sound was changed. The knobs were off. Things. It, it was the worst experience in the world at that time because you know you want to do a great job in front of their crowd and everything else. We we couldn't believe what happened, but yeah, we found out later that yeah they messed our sound. So that happened. But other times we <laughs> opened up for bands too that they they couldn't have been nicer. So. Yeah. Or we had bands play with us too. We used to have a lot of different ones. I don't know how many of them really made big things besides Our Lady Peace. Because they opened up on on a few shows for us as well. They were called as if then.
1: As a, yeah, Greg told but, me about that. Yeah,
0: but um, you that's, know. A,
1: that's another Twitter bio. <laughs> I don't know if Rain would be happy with that. Uh, I don't think he cares. <laughs> um. So no, like, so what was it about? I mean, outside of getting attacked, uh, which which I would, it, it doesn't happen to everybody. Um, what was it, what is it about and Greg said the same thing, he would not do it, like he'd never do it again, what was it about that?
0: Well it was just again, it was a grind And when you're, you know, just a nice whippy kid, you know, with a decent family and you know, the roof over your head it's hard to suddenly come off stage in Montreal and it's minus 30 out and you realize that Jake's people didn't book the hotel for you and uh, you call him and he says, why are you calling me in the middle of the night? And so, you realize you have no money mm. to get a hotel because that's the way it was back then. And, you know, you sleep in the back of a cube van and your hair's frozen. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. I remember the next day or the day after in Montreal as well, as part of a few nights we were there, uh, I found a dollar something in one of my old jackets. And we were elated because we could buy small fries and eat. <laughs> and share. Yeah, so, you know, I've done that whole thing where you were the starving, poor artist. And, yeah. again, when you're younger, it's a little easier to to take but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing like I, I always say I admire artists in general but especially musicians in Canada because it's hard there's a lot of uh, touring and things over long distance as opposed to some countries and and uh, some guys can make a great living of it and yeah. you know there's a lot of guys that aren't I remember partying with a lot of my, uh, my uh, heroes as well um, and seeing where they were staying or where they were living and being completely dis- disappointed I remember a uh, a big band, like a platinum-selling band where yeah. the guys wanted to produce us, and we went to his studio, which was his parent-in-law's basement, and they lived in there. And I remember thinking, my God, this is this is what a platinum-selling artist is li- <laughs> Like, yeah. what's my future here? Hmm. So, you know, it's not all like Drake and stuff today. Well, Dave Grohl,
1: you know, for the longest time, was recording Foo Fighters out of his mom's basement.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, <laughs> it... it it can take a while and you know you need good management all kind of stuff to manage your money and yeah but uh and again it wasn't it wasn't always about the money at all I mean you know was like most people I wanted to do well but yeah. I was doing it because I loved it and if I had wanted to mm. maybe go after the money I would have made more pop music mm. we were writing I don't know it was like a alternative you know it, was, it wasn't mainstream at the time sure and sometimes I look back and I think what an idiot I should have just wrote a, the best kind of hit type songs I did and made something and then you know the art more, yeah. but you know, I was single-minded, I wanted this certain way. and
1: Do things my way. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, memory?
0: Favorite memory from back then? From yeah. the band days?
1: I, I don't know if I could... Besides Greg quitting and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> just picking one out of the air, honestly, uh, it's hard, but I, I just remember the feeling of... Um, yeah. uh, you know, I remember playing our first proper good demo Okay. In uh, our drummer's car, he had a good stereo in his car and playing it for my mom and my brother mm. and I, I was so proud of what we had done it, it was professional sounding, yeah and you know my other demos we did before were good, but we we hit up we our musicianship and that sort of thing. it just r- rose, and I remember the look on their faces like, "Wow, maybe he can do this kind of thing you know they, they were proud, so that that's one of my favorite memories, yeah you know, we just did something that was
1: proper, I guess. I think I I bumped into uh, I bumped into you. Greg had invited me out just to watch some guys play um, out in the somewhere in the West End of Toronto a couple of years ago, over the winter. Um, And I came by, and there was four of you that were former members of the Life, I believe. And so I took that photo. What was that?
0: was that sean's uh 80s band yes at cadillac lounge yeah cadillac
1: lounge that. that's it that's yeah. it so i took that photo and then i found another photo of you guys like from back in the day when your hair was down and stuff like that um have you guys ever thought of hey let's do a one-off show
0: yeah it's funny uh two things that are funny about that just for I,
1: shits and giggles like not, not not for anything serious
0: i have a recurring nightmare
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, it's more to do with the life. And th- those guys are more from International Boundaries than the other guys. But, oh, okay, okay. But, uh, no, they're both great. But I actually have a recurring nightmare that we have sold out a, a good-sized theater with all these people that used to know us and you know friends they've all come out and they're really excited to see this one big show yeah and i'm i don't even know what we're playing i don't have an instrument i'm freaking out backstage it's just i have the same thing for acting as well but it's funny like i've had that for years really it's the worst feeling and then and then i had one that actually we played but we did so bad i remember thinking they had such nice memories and i completely screwed it up by not being rehearsed and Mm. so yeah but oh what was the other thing to do with that um and I forgot the question because these people are looking at me.
1: Ter- <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so in terms, in, terms, in terms of getting together for a one-off gig?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I've been so busy. Uh, I would love to. I have hardly touched an instrument in 20 years or something like that. I yeah. literally have not. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, just the music uh, industry was such a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the day. A lot yeah. of stuff happened that you know, I just walked away from it, which is crazy because I, I, I was obsessed with it literally every shower and drive and everywhere I was working on music um, never stopped so when it was done I just decided to walk away like like a drug I just left That's it, it, like an culture. addict but, but it would be nice um, I know Sean and those guys and Mike Turner and all that stuff from Early Pace they recorded one of them, uh, Sean and I did a song called Holiday and they, they re-recorded it and they asked me to sing it yeah. I couldn't come up with the time to do it at the time and I, I don't sing like that anymore and it's, I don't know
1: Music is different yeah, it it's, changed, it's I not.
0: I don't know. I don't even know if it's something I wanted to... Of all the things I've done, it wouldn't be the song I would pick. Okay. But, you know, to be fair to those guys, I thought about it, but I just... I don't have time.
1: All right, so we got to find time for you and Greg to sit down. <laughs> Greg said he started by it, But, yeah, he wouldn't want to do it.
0: I'd do... I'd be more interested in playing some life songs and just playing bass. Uh, okay. Playing some really good funky bass. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't sing anymore. <laughs> and I actually... Two years ago, on Christmas, I pulled out my bass for my daughter to play and show her it. And I was, a, I was blown away. I learned probably one of my favorite bass lines, Hysteria by Muse, which is a crazy hard bass line. And yeah. somehow I figured that thing out in half an hour, and then I recorded it. And that's the last time I played. Uh, it was probably the first time I'd played in 15, 20 years before that. Oh, wow. So. But, so I can still do it. I just, you know, I don't have time to, to breathe anymore.
1: I saw a video you posted was it last Christmas? You and your daughter singing?
0: Oh, yeah. Were you playing...
1: I think you were playing piano? Were you playing not piano? Not on the uh,
0: other stuff, yeah, but not that one, though. Okay. That one, I just... Uh, I, I've got amazing fans. I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't have tons, <laughs> but the ones that I do yeah. are so good to me. And they've they been asking for a long time to hear me sing, because they, they would read that I sang. Yeah. So... I thought at Christmas time it'd be they were asking me for a Christmas carol, so okay. I, my daughter and I did it, and it turned out really great. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time; we just kind of winged it, but yeah, it was. I think it's going to be one of those things I'll remember the rest of my life as a really good really. Time. Oh, yeah, oh wow! Was, she's such. I'm so lucky to so, have such a great daughter.
1: So does she? Does she sing? Is she in a, in a choir or in a band phenomenal. or She's phenomenal. Yeah,
0: she's honestly. Again, this sounds dumb because I'm the father. That's right, but like our music teacher is a major singer up and coming singer too and she said the same thing like whatever you do if it's not with me somebody like, keep working with her because she's amazing yeah um, even her she's even wrote songs she's not even 10 years old yet but the songs really? are so wow. good I, I'm seriously she's like a musical genius when it comes to that stuff
1: that's awesome so
0: that is I oh mean, so she I, got
1: something from you there you go I guess or maybe her mom I don't know not
0: her mom <laughs> Unfortunately, no. That's one. She's amazing. A lot of things, but singing and
1: (laughs) nice. Um, Tell me about the story of your dad finding you and some blonde-haired dude in bed together.
0: Oh, that yeah. (laughs) Actually, no. The blonde is different than the brunette.
1: Oh, Oh, okay. So was it, was it a brunette? <laughs> no. Am I thinking of a brunette or a blonde?
0: Yeah, it was a brunette. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was um, during, the I think, the International Boundary Days. Okay. The day. And, uh, yeah, it was after a really drunken New Year's Eve that uh, I ended up with this, uh, crashing with this brunette, this little brunette with long eyelashes, I remember, my, my mom had said. And, yeah, he came in to see if I wanted breakfast and it was my stepdad this, this guy okay. was, this guy was an idiot anyways but, okay <laughs> but yeah he uh, he came in lost his mind about how disrespectful it was that I would bring a girl home and all that kind of thing but it wasn't it was Greg it was Greg <laughs> but they had like a family meeting downstairs you know because of that he was like oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lose my mind and all he, my mom was saying he wanted to come up and kick me out of the house <laughs> and all this stuff and it was just funny that I ended up being Greg. So,
1: so did you bring Greg down and said, it's Greg? And then that was a whole another family meeting.
0: Yeah, no, actually, yeah, I never thought about it that way. But <laughs> no, no, I guess once they realized it was Greg, it was okay. But <laughs> I was also thinking about this a while back, as I remember being at a party with Greg, because uh, Greg's a lot shorter than me. I'm yeah. semi-tall, and I don't know, he's not as tall. But, yeah. but he had long hair and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I was in the kitchen talking with people, with my girlfriend, and she left. And then... Suddenly, there was someone next to me, so I reached over, pulled him close to me, and gave him a hug and a kiss in the head, and it was Greg. <laughs> but at the time, it was like, "What the? What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me. What is going on here?
1: Uh, you guys are tight.
0: Yeah, well, not that tight, but yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny that happened.
1: How did uh, How did you guys stop playing? Like, was there was there an event? or Was it just ended, and you guys never got back? Like, how did that happen? Well, after
0: with IMB, it was more. We had done the road thing. It was terrible conditions. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. And I think it was just we decided to take a break, um, move in a different direction. Yeah. Greg and I were living together, I believe. And we just, I don't know, I guess Sean, wanted, Sean and I had some butted heads on stupid things, too. Maybe over direction or whatever really that. You know, like I said, i I was very... I don't know, driven but single-minded on how I wanted things. And I think Sean probably was too. And it was a shame because I love working with Sean. I I miss that stuff, you know? Yeah. We were the, sort of the main songwriters in that. So I guess we just start, went in a different direction. And with The Life, you know, we just, you, you kept banging your head and we kept getting so close. And labels would, you know, do the wine-dine thing, whatever like that, but it just never, uh, they never made the final commitment. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, started realizing maybe we need to try something different. And I yeah. did a solo
1: thing in that, so... Interesting. Was voice acting the next? No. Think that what was so so like? What did you like? What do you what do you do like? Because I'm assuming you're single-minded in, in this music career, and then all of a sudden it's like you know that that's it.
0: It was tough. It was a really like my it's like my uh, my dark ages or something. You know, at, hmm. at one point I had a vision of what we wanted to do. We were in Rome. The streets were paved, and there was running water. And then suddenly you're you don't know what you're going to do with your life. Um. So I basically. Messed around, got into sales. Greg actually got me my first job in sales. and What were we selling? Cell phones. Oh, no way. So, yeah, I okay. was with basically what would be Rogers now. But we did that, and I kept trying to do music up until around 2000. Oh, wow. Um, around that time, too, I got scouted for modeling. It sounds goofy, but it was fun. I, yeah. You know, it was like I was getting paid to meet girls, and, and, uh, <laughs> and I made a bit of money, right? So Sure, sure. So I did that, and I landed a commercial. Uh, I was surprised, but I remember landing a commercial, and... I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience, so I thought I should take this more seriously, and I started taking lessons, and
1: mm.
0: it just went from there. And then with voice, um, I always wanted to do it. I would love imitating voice guys, you know, like a real okay. man and people like that, but I uh, had no idea how to do it. And when I finally got my agent to put me up for something, uh, I landed it right away. The first thing wow. I did, and then another one, and I realized I had to get a proper voice agent. And oh wow, just went. So there's an agent
1: just for voice.
0: Yeah. um because it's such a sort of a specialized thing, and it's completely different than on-camera acting. Uh, mm. So, yeah, you, back in the day, too, it really helped to have an agency that had a studio in-house so you could record um, auditions and send them out. Like, nowadays, so much is done at, how, at home. Some guys are booking things off their iPhone. It's unbelievable now. It's so much easier. But back then, you know, when I, when I first started it, was, uh, it was important to have that sort of thing.
1: How do you land a gig as the voice of the Olympics?
0: Well, the Olympics, the first one, um, I, I'd been doing it for two years full-time, so I was... Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I started around 2004 was when, when I started doing voice, and I'd been doing all right, you know, definitely yeah. it was doing okay, um, but with, I remember I got a call about going to read for it, so they bring in the studio, and uh, Yetta and the producers, and Damien, all those guys were all there, and I, they just had me read a bunch of scripts, and then then i got shortlisted and they brought me in for something else and tested you again and yeah then i got it and it was it was an amazing experience i i am so i'm proud that i did it um yeah it, it was uh it really sort of gave you something to talk about and or sure. or, my, or my agent noel say to you know he's the voice of the olympics you know you should really see him for this and it helped, and I, I did a lot more stuff with CBC over the years after that. So it
1: was it was that an so incredible cool. yeah. experience. Was it like the same voice as you're using
0: now, or do you have to like? No, it's more you know more projected usually for that sort of thing. You yeah. know, like what you would expect, very big, and um, it, it was everything from you know announcing what's coming up to profiles on athletes. To oh, we wow. to have, oh yeah, it was a lot. Like you were there 18 hours a day. Um, in the studios. Oh, God, yeah. It's, grind, it's grinding, but it's it's cool. And there's such a small but really cool group of people that you work with, and you see them day in and day out, all day. Uh, yeah. I love working with my engineers and people like that. And the creative wow. people, the producers come in with the, you know what they want and their scripts. and We used to have... There's a show I think they probably still do called The Canadian Trail, which every day they do sort of a recap on how the Canadian athletes would do.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
0: man, I, I used to call it um, Names of Mass Destruction because... I know what it's like. I mean, my last name is a big name. I've had my whole life of people screwing it up. How and, do you say your last name? Well, we say Taravainen because it's, you know, it's anglicized, okay. what we call it? But in, oh, okay. in, in Europe, it would be Taravainen. But but uh, I wanted to make sure everybody's names were good because I know what it's like. You know, sure. you, especially, you know, you have a big moment. Like, I remember uh, getting second in Ontario in wrestling when I was a kid. I was so proud. Oh, wow. Hard. Yeah, it was just one of those things. And my family came to see it, and they were giving me the awards... Uh, The award—they called me up on stage, and the guy actually broke up laughing, trying to as he butchered my name. And I was so—I felt so mad, right? But anyways, they would give us give us these scripts almost live, like we had minutes before we go to air. And you look at these names and, oh, I can't do this, and I don't want to butcher. How do we? So you really had to. I learned a lot. I guess what I'm trying to say is I learned a lot during that period. It really helped get your chops up, and you know, so when you're just going in and saying one sentence about, you know, Coca-Cola or something like that. Um, it's a lot easier sure and after you've been through you know trying to pronounce Mr. Vitspaletskowinski or something like that you know from whatever town you can't pronounce as well and
1: wow that must have been awesome so you did it for like twice
0: yeah they brought me back for which
1: Olympics did you do by the way
0: I uh, did Torino 2006 and then yeah. I did uh, Sochi in uh, 2012 I think it was okay Russia
1: yeah so do you have to like does your time change like you're you're alive you're awake during broadcast,
0: yeah, I mean, hours wherever the wherever the place is, that's your time. So. Yeah, but it's like I said, it when you're there, when you're there, you got the adrenaline going and all that stuff. It's fun, but it's about a month because you do all kinds of pre-production, all kinds of stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. when the games are on, everything's changing every day, so you're constantly redoing things or or you know doing bumpers and all that kind of stuff. It's and then
1: hockey night in Canada as well.
0: Yeah, I mean that one was basically I would just do a bunch of things every year, and then they would just okay. use them. So that was you know that was like a couple hours of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I was the voice of CBC for a long time as well when that was a, na- a daily thing. That was you know coming up next and stuff like that. Ah. So that, I did that for a while. I did Discovery Channel, I guess at one point, and yeah.
1: Video games also you've done. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you still do those?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, Any time I can. That,
1: is, that, that's big, like this whole for, esports for and gaming. It's a huge thing, isn't I,
0: it? I'm a huge gamer. Are um, you really? Oh, well, I love
1: games. Tell like, me, well, like, what's your favorite game? What, what do you do? I
0: don't know which one? Would, my favorite game of all time is like, probably Bioshock or The Last of Us. Uh, I love Battlefield.
1: What are you playing these days?
0: Um, right now, I'm addicted to Gran Turismo, a sport um, for racing. Okay. Um, I'm playing Assassin's Creed. I forget the it's the one they're doing it in London uh, that's what but I'm you, playing right now
1: isn't you did voice over for that didn't you or
0: I did some on Assassin's Creed I uh, should know the names of these it's the the latest one okay. that, that happens in Greece ancient Greece yeah. I did that um, I just finished Far Cry 5 which I'm all over that like that that one is I'm really proud of uh, I play one of the main resistance We're not the main well, well up there a resistance character plus yeah. I play a lot of the bad guys.
1: I had... What is it? What's the main character in, in that one in, uh, in in Greece? Anto?
0: I haven't played it. No? <laughs> no, not yet. I mean, I'm going to. So but... Michael,
1: the lead guy, he, he's been in studio before.
0: Yeah, I was just at a Comic-Con with him Okay. two weeks ago.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, I just met him, yeah. Okay. Do you get to go as well? Or, or, or are you just like one of the guys... Oh, I was, uh, we were both guests there. So, oh, no way. Yeah, so we... Oh, damn. That's my... <laughs> yeah. It's fun. What is your... I was that? Like, I got I got I, I'm curious about this. Um, I mean, this podcast isn't big or anything, but my son makes fun of this. How is your daughter with the stuff that you've done and, and the stuff that you continue to do?
0: Yeah, I think she's proud now. Um, yeah. I always remember, we were in Disney World a few years back. and. Yeah. I was on television. I didn't know I was going to be on, but there I was on this movie. And it was a great role. And my mom was like, or her mom was like, Ava, look, Dad is on TV. And she, I remember she was drawing. She goes, so? <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Now oh, that's, that's the way it is, right? And it's your family. They don't care, right? But things changed. Uh, I did a movie last year called The Christmas Chronicles. Yeah. And yeah. that was so popular. Uh, it still is. And suddenly... Every kid in her class knew who I was. Like I don't, you know, I, I'm. You're Mavis dropping father. off your daughter. Actor, and... yeah. But yeah, all of a sudden now they're yeah. looking at, and then we had her birthday party, and everybody wanted to watch the movie, and they wanted me to. You know, it, it was just, it was just funny because they don't normally care, right? but yeah. Even with, you know, we did Dark Matter for all those years, and it, it, I'm so proud of the stuff with that. But it's a cable show, and I, I'm not minimizing. It's just that the reach isn't as big as when you do something like that the Christmas Chronicles or like I did uh, Designated Survivor and I remember
1: I don't remember you in that
0: yeah I didn't, it was a nice little role but I did okay. it and again it was funny we was right after that was Christmas and I went to a family Christmas thing with all my relatives yeah. on my dad's side and 90 year olds to 5 year olds had all seen me in this it just shows you the power what of a what was your networking. role in that I played a, a double agent like a spy I was the US track coach and okay I, I was kind of a hero to Kiefer's character uh um, Kiefer's character. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I ended up betraying the United States of America. What, what
1: season were you in?
0: That was the first season.
1: I got to go back and watch it. Uh, I thought that was a good series. It, it didn't get its uh, proper due. I thought it
0: did well for a while. I yeah. mean, it was. I think it first was year Breaking did well. records. Um, yeah. they, they honestly, I heard they went through like six different showrunners to try and sort of get the magic that they had originally. I, I think it was like 14 million viewers a night. Wow. which was massive you know for, for you know it's not like the old days where you had three channels and Sure. Uh, but it, you know it's like that happens with a lot things can change audiences change i think i think you're seeing the quality of tv too that's coming off cable or streaming where mm. they don't have uh, they don't have the things holding them back there's no constraints it seems yeah. It's just the, the quality's gotten so also, like, good. like,
1: HBO shows are, like, amazing. And... They're,
0: they're out of control good. Yeah. But the thing is, it used to be just HBO and a couple others. Now, so much of that is coming out. I mean, I'm, I'm currently watching a, the third season of a show called Glitch. It's out of Australia. That's a streaming show. On yeah, here.
1: yeah, yeah. Where the people come back to life. Yeah, it's yeah, so
0: well done. The acting and the... But I'm watching the production. I try not to do this, but I'm watching I'm thinking, this is really good production. And it's, you know, it's a show out of Australia. It's not Hollywood in that. Yeah. So our choices are you know again with network sometimes it can be hard to make a show that's going to appeal to younger people because it doesn't mm. have that edge or the realness and that kind of thing and with the streaming and stuff like that you do so yeah it, we're, we're spoiled for choice
1: is that your favorite show right now glitch? well glitch
0: i love the first two seasons beyond belief we just watched the first episode the other night so again sorry beyond belief oh uh glitch glitch okay glitch, okay yeah. sorry uh, so, But, yeah, the first two scenes I absolutely love. But yeah. I, I can't say it's my favorite because there's so many that I literally can't believe how good they are.
1: What else are you watching these days?
0: Last thing I uh, watched was The Terror, the first season. Again, astounding show. Uh, billions. Um, you, know, you name okay, it. Yeah, there's yeah. just so many good shows. Yeah,
1: that is so true.
0: Peaky Blinders has just dropped, I think, a new season. So I love that show. Huh. Yeah, it's... We don't have enough time to watch the shows sure, absolutely. that are out there. So
1: yeah, for sure. Um, tell me, I want to get back to TV, but I, I need to ask you this: um, You got a racing school scholarship? Yeah. Like when was this? When you were a kid? Like when does this happen?
0: Not wish. Um, <laughs> racing has always been my favorite sport, yeah. and unfortunately, it's a sport where you need a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I always used to say, "Name me a driver, and I'll tell you what his dad does or owns." It's the, just the reality of it, right? Yeah. Um, but I did a song about one of my heroes, uh, Gilles Villeneuve, which Jacques Villeneuve's father. Yeah. And uh, Jacques Villeneuve's people heard it. Uh, I met Jacques and all that stuff, and they basically set me up to go to Jim Russell, Jim Russell Racing School in Montreal. Uh, that's where those guys all went to school to learn. Okay. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. <laughs> Again, one of those one of the best times of my life. Um, and I ended up doing really well and yeah. getting scholarships Shit. to keep doing it. So, because really? otherwise, you know, you know, I love my family, but they're not rich, right? So, you know, the people that you're racing against in the, even in the school series, you know, like, they don't care if they crash because the dad's going to write a check. He's going to write, a,
1: get another car, get another engine.
0: Yeah. So, it would get, I would love to do it again. You know, I keep hoping that. You know, everything so how I many do, years
1: ago was? How many years ago? A long is time ago. Long time ago. <laughs>
0: it's okay. long. Ago. But it was, uh, I mean, I still have the skills from it. I learned a lot, and I still, you know, try to put them to use when I can. Uh, I've done some go-karting and stuff, which actually go-karting in good karts, the real racing ones, is fast. And, you know, even Formula One drivers will tell you that because you're so low to the ground. The speed is, they are high speed. You know, they go to 100 miles miles an hour.
1: Really? Yeah. Go-kart. So, Hmm.
0: yeah, you're still, you're getting probably a more intense experience sometimes than the bigger Formula cars.
1: Yeah. So... I always have this. Every once in a while, Greg will say he gets up early in the morning or whatever to watch like Formula One.
0: Yeah, he's always been hardcore of that. He's yeah, he used to call me. So
1: is it is it like you agree with me? It's not really a sport.
0: No, it's a sport. Is it really? In fact, I would. My favorite sport. I love. I still enjoy Formula One, but I I haven't watched it in years like I used to. I used yeah. to be obsessed with it or IndyCar. But You're I'm, bikes I love MotoGP. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, those guys are. They're in a different planet in terms. Their fitness is. uh a lot of those guys are competitive, say, uh, like Tour de France riders. Um, like, the fitness level in these guys is yeah. out of control. And then I can they- see that on a bike
1: because you've got like, to, like, the balance them when they're going on turns and they're, like, like, literally millimeters off the ground. Oh, yeah, they're touching their elbows now. And you got to, like, have that. You've got to control that bike.
0: But, the, Put but it in a car. No, the G-force is in a car. I, 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 I'll tell you what. If you and I went right down right now and yeah. we went go-karting for, for half an hour, yeah. like really hardcore, yeah. you and I go. You yeah. will be exhausted. It's when you're really going at it, and that's with a go kart, and just to say an average one. You get into a race kart, or you get into the G forces on a race car itself, yeah, and yeah. there's no power steering. You got to be fit. I mean, yeah. you might be thinking of the the NASCAR <laughs> guys. Say even those guys, I'm, I'm sure have probably upped their game. But you know, you used to see that sort of overweight NASCAR guy. You know, yeah. that's not the way it is. For well, these guys in their
1: 50s and 60s, like you can't have power. Yeah
0: but you know there's different levels too right yeah. you know there's guys that are gentlemen racers that mm. you know they're the CEO of a company they got a ton of money and they want to race a Porsche on the weekend so they go and they do it yeah. but um, you know the, the really fast guys the serious guys the guys that are in, in you know Formula 1 and that sort of thing they're fit their regimes they, they follow and that sort of thing is again they're like a super athlete mm. so
1: let's get back to acting <laughs> sure Um. You did voiceover, you did some acting and stuff. Was there like a progression, or are you sort of doing all of these at the same time?
0: No, do it all, really. Um, It's just whatever sort of comes around or what you can make happen. Uh, You know, my latest show that I just finished, um, that came about from the showrunner of Dark Matter had called me and asked me if, if I would be interested in reading for a part there, you know, but which show is Are you allowed to say what show this yeah, is now? That one is utopia falls. Okay. And I don't Can't say too much about it, but, uh, it'll be on CBC here in Canada. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, American network that's doing it. We just haven't announced who it is. So I can't say, but I'm really, really pumped about it. I mean, every actor is going to say that, but yeah, this one's special for me because it's, uh, it's my first true series regular. So I'm in every episode of that kind of thing. And, oh, nice. But but it's uh, it's one of the integral characters, you know, the, the, one of the main ones. And I have... He's a different character than I normally play. So I I, I just, without saying too much, I, I, it was it's a, it's a real treat to play.
1: I know there's some music in it. There's some...
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a music element to it because, in a nutshell, it's this utopian society. Um, okay. Every year they have this thing called... Uh, the exemplar which is a, a contest and you know um, when you become 16 years old you have a chance to do this and that's part of the storyline is that happens and when this happens they start discovering things uh, that basically it's not the utopia they thought there's, there's a, things underneath that aren't good and um, hmm. yeah, how do I'm trying to say things without, <laughs> without giving anything away and then suddenly freaking out but but yeah, there's there's stuff underneath that, that these these guys are finding out, yeah. and yeah, it has to do with that music competition and everything
1: else. Interesting. So it's in post production, I'm guessing, or
0: yeah, we're just. Um, I did some ADR, which is when you fill in vocals and stuff that you know maybe didn't come across right at the time. Okay. So finally got to see a little bit of it the other day, and I'm even more pumped now. Really? Um, yeah, but I think believe the. I believe it's supposed to air in January. So okay, my fingers are crossed. Hopefully, it does well. Um, hopefully we get a second second season yeah yeah. there's so many things i'd love to see there so
1: yeah that is nice what else what else are you working on these days um renovating my kitchen okay (laughs) looking for a new car (laughs) (laughs) have you got a spot has anyone ponied up so i'll I'll do that for you
0: yeah i wish (laughs) no um it's just the usual usual grind right it's uh trying to uh audition as much as you can yeah Uh, I got a new agent uh, recently in Toronto. And, uh, wow, I remember them saying, you know, uh, I know it's probably a PG show, so I'll say. That's okay. We're not messing around. Yeah. They said something else. And they're not kidding. Um, I've almost had as much audition-wise as I've had in the last year and a half. So these guys are serious. That's why I have these giant bags under my eyes (laughs) because it's, you know, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's... When we audition, we, we have to be off book. And that means if, like right now, I check my phone, and it's like, congratulations, you've got an audition for this new show. Uh, it's a great character. Here's the breakdown of what it's about, um, and here's your lines. And so say may, maybe I'm a serial killer, um, okay. and I've got to play maybe 12 pages are on there. And maybe one of them has got a giant you know, three-page of me basically just talking about something. I've got to know it. Yeah. Um, and i have to know it in the morning. So, oh, wow. you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing if... if and you know, this is
1: just for like a tryout? Just for thing?
0: auditions, yeah. That's wow. the hardest part about the industry is that, you know, I always say try to imagine being a contractor or something like that where you're self-employed and almost doing, doing the kitchen. And then they say, well, we decided to go with someone else to actually do the kitchen. So you've just spent, you know, one, two nights or maybe sometimes more. Yeah. Completely obsessing all day and all night trying to get all your parts down. Yeah. And doing it and all the stress involved. And then, you know, it goes to someone else. And you walk away. You
1: How do you? Because like, I'm thinking, you know, doing it for theater is one thing where you have to, like, you've got to memorize everything. But TV, there's, like, cuts and different you know all all these sorts of things that like how much really do you have to memorize you have
0: to be so on the ball and it's so competitive that Mm. if you're not there's a zillion other people that'll take your job and and that's the thing right it's the stress of it it's one of the hardest parts for me is that I do it because I love it like I love what I do but I sometimes have to really kick myself to remind myself to relax and just trust that you know I do have it down enough that I don't need to run the scene downstairs 500 more times for tomorrow yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a bad experience or two with a casting director, they might not bring you in again, and then you're losing out all those opportunities because that person doesn't have the faith that you can do the job. Because their their job's on the line. Sure. They can only they only have so much time to cast stuff. So if they bring you know, uh, three guy, three good guys and a, a couple duds out. Those duds are wasting the producer's time, and you know they don't look like they're they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a very competitive business, both here and obviously in L. A. and places like that as well. So you got to be on the ball.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you're here in Toronto, and you're and you're going for auditions locally. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, um, you go to different places here for auditions, but it also a lot of self tapes too, which means uh, you can either do it at a studio or I have one in my house. Where you put yourself on tape, just like you would in their room. Okay. I love doing that uh, just because I have the opportunity to fail more. Um,
1: Comfort level, being at home. Yeah. I yeah. mean,
0: when you walk into, some rooms are amazing. The other ones are more tense. Uh, you walk in and there's like five people. You know, there's a big, powerful director or producer and they're on their laptop, you know. And then you get the role and you think, how did I get that? Well, they watched the tape later. They just were in the room.
1: Uh, but it's
0: hard to not have that affect you your your nerves and your performance and stuff like that and again a lot of the times we get this stuff you know 7 o'clock at night you know and you've got plans you know whether it's your daughter I gotta take her to lessons or something and then you know 10 o'clock rolls around you barely got the script down you realize I have to be up at 9 in the morning like at the place at 9 and I have to be that that character and I have to do it perfectly because you're gonna get one or two times and then that's it Yeah. so it's stressful thing uh, it's, it's a grind for me to 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 make it easier on myself and not stress myself out yeah but yeah
1: how do you you talked about you know driving your your, your daughter to practice or rehearsal or whatever she's doing um, how do you how do you balance that with getting that email at seven o'clock and knowing that you know in less than twelve hours yeah you got to be that like how do you how do you say no I'm not going to take this like because you're again, you know, if you don't, if you don't hustle, you don't eat, right?
0: Yeah, and you know, you don't. Especially some roles are, you know, roles are better than others, and some yeah, things yeah. you don't want to turn down because you can't believe you got the opportunity. Sure. So, it, it it's again, it's that, it's that grind of. I, you, it's the last thing you want, and the and the thing you want more than anything. I mm-hmm. want it. I want that email or that phone call to ring. But at the same point, though, it's like I know if I get it, I'm gonna be, I'm done. Like if we had plans, I remember, you know, we don't get out enough. But I remember being at Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's like one of my heroes, and okay. right before we're about to go, and I'm like, ding, like oh my god! Now it's like all I'm gonna think about is like what do I have to do? But I turned my phone off. I didn't worry about it, and I like got like eleven o'clock at night. I looked at it and cried. <laughs> <laughs> and then went downstairs and spent the entire evening trying to learn the lines, right? But you know, it just doesn't matter. It's you got to do it. Yeah. And there's nothing better than you get that phone call from your agent and they tell you that you've landed it. it. Yeah. Honestly, it's I feel so fortunate to do what I do, and that that goes for voice as well. Like every time my agent would tell you, like I, I'm the probably the most excited person on the roster because whenever even now you know 18 years later I I still jump up and down I can't believe I get to do this yeah
1: so what's the difference between you you talked about sort of the the music industry sort of spitting you out um music music and and acting slash TV you know what what are some of the similarities and differences
0: well you know it's a team thing for sure massively for what I do now Mm -hmm. uh the thing I love about film and television or voice things as well is that um, everybody generally is pulling on the same chain and they want to make something happen i 've worked with a listers like serious a listers and whatever else below, and actor wise but also with the crews and i 've really not had much bad things to say. I know there's stories i 've even heard first hand stories from people about you know how bad this person was i haven 't had that. I've had lovely people. A lot of people I've kept in touch with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you give what you or you get what you give as well. But in music, again, we did have a lot of those stories. You know, you work with a hero and they screw your sound up, or you, you know, you. just a lot of snaky stuff in publishing, different things like that. Yeah. And so when I think about music industry, yeah, I think I think kind of a cesspool. And when I not the <laughs> artists and stuff, but you know, there's a lot of them there. But when I think about. Um, zillion different say executive producers I've worked with or people like that people I've kept in touch with because they're nice yeah, and they treat you well and they treat the other people well because they want they want this product to come out they want to like Terry Metallus from 12 Monkeys you know he's a pretty up and coming exec on a lot of stuff most down to earth guy you'd ever meet he's a super fan of all these different genres and it was really refreshing to, to get on set with a guy like that who you've I've read about a lot you know and thought oh I'm working with this guy now yeah. and he turns out to be a super nice guy hmm. and he's just like you he wants to make something special yeah. you know and he treats everybody well or even the big stars I've worked with you know they just they treat you well nice whereas I can't imagine in the past if I had you know got to work with some big rock star and then they turn out to be some you know drugged out cokehead or something like that who's screwing you around
1: that's crazy um has the the magnet of l a like how do you you know being a dad, how do you stop that from distracting you, or are you in a place right now that there's tons of work locally here
0: well there's lots going on uh in Canada in general. We're lucky because so much stuff gets shot here yeah the The disadvantage to a Toronto actor, for example, is that. A lot of the big things, the big roles, the the leads, the series regulars, guest stars, that sort of thing, gets yeah. cast out of L.A. Hmm. There's still some good stuff here, but mostly, you know, you get a show here that's a big U.S. hit, that's shot here. You know, the the roles are, I don't know how you would describe it, but they go over everything from Dangerous Man on Balcony to maybe, maybe a large principal, which is, you know, yeah. you're in the show a bit, but it's not the big ones. Yeah. So that's why a lot of Canadian actors will want to go to L.A., because then they're being seen there. Now, once you get established there to a degree or you have someone repping you there, you can self-tape now, which you couldn't do in the past.
1: So you can stay here and just send stuff down? You
0: can, but still, it's always good to be there. There's a whole machine down there. Um, it's a different world. I've got a U.S. visa, so um, we're in the midst of talking with people right now, but it's hard. Um, it's by far the most competitive. You know, everybody and their uncle from every country in the world is trying to make it down there. Yeah. And there's other, th- there's other factors, too. There's my age and bunch of other dumb things right now that are that make it difficult so yeah. you know it's it's weird too because you go down there when i was down there last time i was down there from a very well-known show and you think that the doors would open but you know it's like you're just one of i don't know 150 shows on that network or <laughs> whatever that are doing well and sure you know it's it's a it's a weird weird business
1: you talked earlier about watching that uh, in excess uh documentary and Michael uh, Hutchins going into like Wembley Stadium and see that crowd and yeah. saying, I want that. Is there a thing in acting for you where you, maybe it's a movie or a director or an actor or uh, a type of role um, and you go, I, I want that? Like, is there, is there something for you like that? Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, I, I just want to do good quality things. Yeah. Um, one, what, oh, does your mic go? Oh, There we that. go. One, one thing with me was... Uh, Uh, like for example this show that I just did Utopia Falls
1: yeah
0: it's not that I don't like playing bad guys or tough guys and stuff but I got to play a very different character so for me that was a challenge but it was also was great to play Um, Mm -hmm. so I I like being getting some diversity in what I'm doing as opposed to being pigeonholed it was great yeah I mean I'm 6'2 and I'm not big but I'm bigger so again when casting sees you they're like oh he's a big guy we use him as a cop or a hockey player or you know whatever yeah, I, I, I'd like to do more than that. So. Or a
1: DC superhero or something. Yeah, <laughs> but I
0: mean, it, I mean, if, if I could have been on a show like Band of Brothers or something like that, I would have, mm. you know, I would freak out. It's one of the best things I ever saw. And I always say, like, you, you get on something like that, you know, you could almost never work again. You'd be so happy because you did that. Yeah. You know, something like that would be amazing.
1: That's awesome, man. Listen, thanks so much for coming in.
0: Well, my pleasure. I hope that people aren't asleep. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs>